At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Monday morning, we're in August. Let's talk money. Oh my God, I want to talk money. I've wanted to do this for so long. Just baseball show, Jack McMullen, Arm Layton. This is like, so we originally branded it as a Sunday change of pace. It's now a Monday change of pace to start the week. And we always kind of had the same idea in mind that this was going to be a different type of look at baseball. And we're going to be a bit more critical than I think we want to be most times because the fact of the matter is like, we love this sport. It's awesome. But there are a lot of things that suck that we hate. And one of them right now is money for a couple of reasons. We're going to talk Kumar Rocker, but we got to talk about the Dodgers. Yep. We got to talk about the Dodgers and, uh, I, I was looking at the luxury the luxury tax today, and my estimates were were pretty spot on. I think I said it would be around forty three, and they're forty two million dollars over the luxury tax. So uh, that's a lot of money because the next most is three million, which is the Red Sox, and then I believe I forget what the third team was that was about half a million over, and that's it. And the twenty seven other teams are are not over the luxury tax threshold. So I've got it on spot track. Somebody might call it spot track. I like spot track. I've, I've always just changed with the weeks. Just depends on the mood. I'll call it yeah. something else. I'm going to go with spot track, but I've got spot track up right now. And the Dodgers are $42.4 million over the luxury tax. The Red Sox are 3.1. The Yankees are $81,000 over the luxury tax. And then everybody else is half a million under or farther. So the next highest or the next closest to the luxury tax threshold is the Houston Astros, and they're $766,000 underneath. So astronomically, the Dodgers are paying more for their guys than anybody else because they can do it, and they've got ownership that's willing to pay these penalties. 
And the way that the luxury tax works, it's not technically called the luxury tax in Major League Baseball. It's called the competitive balance tax. And the essence of it is you are taxed a certain percentage for every dollar that you go over the luxury tax. And that change, that benchmark that you hit where you start to incur penalties changes on a yearly basis. So this year, $210 million, does that sound right? I think it was something along those lines, yeah. So if your 40-man payroll is over $210 million in 2021, then you owe a certain percentage of every dollar that you go above that. And the Dodgers pretty much said, I couldn't give less of a shit what that number is. Nope. I'm going to pay it and we're going to win a World Series. Yep. And, you know, I, I like that. The I like the fact that they're willing to go for it. It's good to have aggressive owners that aren't going to be well below uh, the average payroll, right? I mean, there's nothing more infuriating. And, and that's something too, is whenever I bring up, oh, we need a hard cap potentially, people are always like, oh, well, what about the payroll floor? I agree with too, that we want that too. We want both of those things. Both of those things are good. Those Both of those things encourage parity. And yeah. we don't really have that when you have a team that is $40 million over the competitive balance tax or whatever you want to call it. And that's almost as much as several teams, several competitive teams, entire 40 man payroll. That can't really happen. I do admire the fact that teams like the Rays and other teams are able to stay afloat and compete despite the fact that they don't rack up the the bill and rack up the payroll, but it just seems like you're playing two different sports and it's got a lot of premier league soccer uh, type of vibe to it to me that I don't love. Tons. And you feel like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Phillies this year, a lot of major market teams could be in that super league if they were to branch off. <laughs> super just, league. Right? I want to run through the 40-man payrolls right now as they stand. And the Dodgers, obviously, at number one, $173.1 million allocated to their 40-man payroll. The Phillies are number two at 166. Padres, three, 145. Yankees four, 144, you count down. But keep that 173 in mind for the Dodgers because the league average is $85.6 million. So the Dodgers are paying twice as much as the average MLB team. And I agree with you. The, the whole conversation about a hard cap and a spending floor is the same damn conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's, it's not one or the to, other. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not. All you want to do is like lessen the window of spending that teams can do. You don't want this drastic parity. You want it to be close because if you think people are spending similar money, they're going to get a similar product. So you want to know something absurd? Their 40-man payroll is more than the Orioles, Rangers, Pirates, Marlins, Indians, and Rays combined, if my, my math God. is correct. I may have had one extra team in there, but it's close. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six teams. <laughs> like that can't happen. It can't. And 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 part of that is on the fault of the fact that the Miami Marlins have a twenty-nine million dollar forty-man payroll. The Baltimore Orioles have a twenty-one million dollar forty-man payroll. How does that happen? I mean, that's inexcusable as well. And it, it's hard to say, hey, screw you, Dodgers. I mean, if they don't care. 
about the money that they have to pay, then that's fine. I mean, it's their money, right? So it's not the Dodgers. That's the problem. It's baseball. Like the Dodgers, if, if their owner wants to do what they, he wants to do and what that ownership group wants to do, that's fine. I mean, they're doing what they can within the parameters of the league. They're not breaking any rules. I thought what the Tampa Bay lightning did, and we're going to talk hockey to my Florida Panthers, which I'm not a big hockey guy, but when I caught wind of that whole thing where they were able to shelter basically money from the cap and then bring that guy back, that was like way more expensive than the cap. I, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so basically there was a guy that was out for the whole season, and he's one of their best players. And Steven Stamkos, that's the only guy I no, know. I have. I, I already forgot the name, but he, he, he torched my Panthers the one time I cared about hockey. He was oh. off the books because he was out the whole season. However, they decided to do that. And then they brought him back in the middle of the postseason or like a few games before the postseason, and somehow that worked with the books. And I, I got to look it up, but it's crazy. So th- it happens in other leagues. You have issues of teams kind of utilizing loopholes in the system. This isn't really a loophole, though. This is just a team that I think MLB, when they made this collective bargaining agreement, said, I don't think this will ever happen. And they found a team that literally couldn't give less of a shit, and they never thought that would happen. Right. Like, okay, try me, and yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. God. That, so I guess, like, my next thought is – how do we fix this? I think you, you got to come up with a number and you can make it a fairly high number, right? Like you come up with a payroll number that you feel like is still allows teams like the Dodgers to spend and build a very solid team. It could be what the luxury tax threshold was and just cap it there. You can't go over that. I mean, you give a little bit of leeway, 5 million, kind of like how the NBA does it tax slightly. And then there's a hard cap amount where you just can't go over that. I just don't see why that's so difficult to be able to incorporate into the game. And then the floor, I think that's super easy, right? You just, you look at the average lowest payroll, I would say year to year, and I'd put 20% on top of that. And I think that's more than fair. Or you go from the average middle ground payroll and go 30 to 40% less than that. Something along those lines where you're, setting a floor that doesn't handicap these teams and maybe you increase the revenue sharing if the Dodgers are in an opportunity here where they're able to spend that much and not have a problem with it and you have other teams that are really struggling I mean I believe that it is a little bit tough I mean the Orioles reportedly were asking players like Mancini and uh, I believe it was Santander to defer like two million dollars like if you have yes they were asking them to defer going into this season a couple million dollars. And, you know, if you're doing that, then they've probably got to be in a little bit of trouble after COVID and, and all of those things included. Maybe we revamp the revenue sharing a little bit as well, because I think that's definitely something that if the Dodgers are able to pay all of that money in penalties, maybe that's money that can be shared into revenue instead. Absolutely. That, that should absolutely be the case. And you pose the idea of percentages and, and that adjusting the, the cap and the floor. That's how it would work. I kind of like this simplistic approach of taking the top four, trimming off there and making them get under the fifth highest team and then trimming the bottom four and making them get over the fifth lowest team. So if you look at it that way, the Dodgers are number one, Philly two, San Diego three, the Mets four. Houston spent 126 this year on their 40-man payroll. If you make the Dodgers, Phillies, Padres, and Yankees get under 126, or maybe even just get under 130, I think that makes the top 
a lot more interesting. And then you've got Baltimore is the lowest, Texas, Pittsburgh, Miami. Cleveland spent $38.9 million. Make the bottom four get above $30 million. And I think that further incentivizes building a great system, right? Well, we saw what the Yankees were able to do. And the Yankees didn't have a great system coming into this year, but there's not a system in baseball that had more players take massive leaps than the Yankee system this year, which would have been probably in the top five or six in baseball after being towards the middle of the pack going into the year because of all the guys that just exploded. So you have all those assets. You can use those assets to get the teams that you're trading with to kick in money. They kick in money. You're able to stay under the cap. Like it's not like you will have no ability to build the quote unquote super team. Like if you have the prospect capital, you can get teams to eat some salary. We saw it this year. This was just done to stay under the luxury tax. The Yankees did a great job of it. They got Gallo's money uh, covered, which really helped them. I believe they got Rizzo's as well, right? They so did. That gave them a lot of flexibility, and that's something that you could do operating within a hard cap. Also, I pulled up the lightning situation and I feel like I did a horrid job. So I had to pull it up. And basically what happened is the guy's name is Kucherov. It's Nikita Uh, Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov. I know that name too. Yeah. I don't know a single thing about hockey. All of my brain is used up on a million prospects and stuff, but Kucherov was out for a majority of the season. They were able to get a cap exemption for him. So they were able to add somebody at the deadline and then brought him back. And it says it all meant that Kucherov was back for the opening game of the playoffs when the collective collective bargaining agreement that has been in place since 2005 stipulates the cap does not count because players only draw salaries during the regular season. So the quote from the general manager was sometimes the stars align for you. I didn't know how things would unfold. Luckily for me and our organization, I don't think that they could have unfolded any better. Panthers lost in six. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. Stars align really well. What if Kucherov was fine for like three weeks before that? And he's like, ah, yeah, I'm not good. Uh, well, hope I'll hope I'm back for the playoffs. And then boom, game one. He's just nasty. I was like, who is this guy? And it then like he I was. found out the whole backstory and I was like, damn. So this isn't like a baseball unique thing. There's definitely some crazy issues across I think the NBA does a really good job with it though, because I also am open to this too. And and this is something that I really want because the the flip side of this is going to be a lot of people say teams, especially young teams or not young teams, excuse me, small market teams that have these players come up. I mean, I look at the Marlins as a team that they are just never able to afford or don't want to pay their stars. Uh, The cap would make it, you know, a little bit, easier I think for balance across the league but you know bird rights and things like that you know maybe you have something like that in baseball where if you develop your own talent if you have a guy come up through the minor leagues that you're able to offer them a little bit more and you have more space within that cap too so even if you're not a small market team even if we're just talking about rewarding teams for building their own talent like if you want to be the Padres and you can't afford to extend Tatis let's say before he signed this extension, you get bird rights and it gives you a little bit more of a leeway uh, with, with the uh, payroll, but you know, with the threshold, because I think you've got to reward teams for building their own talent. Absolutely. You do. And I think if any of this, I think this, this conversation shows just how important farm systems are because what the Yankees did with that Gallo and Rizzo deal, that's massive. And they used that as a chip. They said, we will give you, 
better prospects in our incredibly deep system if you cover Anthony Rizzo's remaining contract? And the Cubs said, yes, we want the better prospects. Teams are willing to cover that shit, and they're willing to help each other if they believe that it's mutually beneficial. And the Yankees, because they developed their minor leaguers and they pushed these guys along and they, and they grew leaps and bounds, like you're saying, in 2021 – that, that helps them tremendously. And there is no better example than the LA Dodgers right now. That's one of the best farm systems in baseball year in and year out. And as much as you or I might not be totally sold on Kiebert Ruiz as a catcher, like he is the top prospect in their system. They felt yep. like they could give him away because they have enough coming through. Yep. And, and that's the thing is they went and attained these guys, Trey Turner, to get Trey Turner, they got him not because they were the only team willing to pay him. They were able to give up a return that really enticed the Nationals. I'm sure there were some other good offers on the table. If, if it was something like Scherzer's contract, which also was deferred. So that's the other thing about this too. But let's say Scherzer was owed $10 million this year. And the Dodgers were the only team that were really able or really willing to eat all of that. Then I'd say, okay, this is a bit ridiculous. But the crazy thing is, is the Dodgers only had to deal with the cap hit because it goes against your or your, your the luxury tax hit. Because even though all of Scherzer's money is deferred, they're going to have to pay taxes on $11 million roughly because that's what his luxury tax hit is. Still crazy to me that they're okay with paying that tax hit, but I think they were okay with that because they know they don't have to pay his salary until 2028 because of the deferrals. So really what it was for the Dodgers in this instance was they had the assets and they they went and did it. I was, I thought the return was a bit light for Trey Turner. Frankly, I love mm-hmm. Josiah Gray. I love Keeper Ruiz, but I, I was very surprised. I would not have made that deal if I'm the nationals without getting a Gavin Lux in that, especially given the fact that Gavin Lux is kind of the odd man out right now. I'm assuming that they wanted to hold on the Dodgers, hold on to him because that means Corey Seager's not coming back. Uh, and Gavin Lux is going to be that guy in the future, but I'm still, if I'm the nationals, I'm pounding the table for Gavin Lux over the second or the third and fourth pieces that the nationals brought in there in that deal. But again, yeah, it goes back to this small market teams would be able to compete in a world where you are utilizing prospects as almost monetary assets and you can do that. And I'm really feeling like teams are seeing that the Padres they've turned into a big market team, but they used those players as assets and went and got contracts like Blake Snell's, which has been bad. Blake Snell has been bad. His yeah. contract was super desirable. They oh, went yeah. out and got it with the prospect capital that they had. Like you can do that with prospect capital. And I think that should be exciting for small market teams to say, okay, we can get money kind of comped for us on some of these players and bring in players when we need to. I think that creates a little bit more parity. And you can put together competitive offers for Clevenger last year and Snell and Darvish this past off season. And then you can go get all-star Adam Frazier this deadline. That's what building a deep system does for you because you talk about San Diego kind of turning into this big market team and they have Manny Machado and they're paying Fernando Tatis X amount of million dollars. And they've got X amount of 30 year old stars and they've got Eric Hosmer on this crap contract, but they were nothing five years ago. They were nada. And they were using this chance to build up their system to get to this buyer mold. And I think that a lot of smaller market teams with not too much money can use that same type of formula build up the prospects, use them as assets, dish them away for buyers, 
And then you might be inclined to spend more money once you realize what winning feels like. Exactly. But here's the problem. And this is where it all ties back into needing a salary cap. Let's say you're that smaller market team. You have all the prospects in the world and you offer a ball club. Hey, we're going to give you a crazy return for X player, but we want you to cover his salary. But then I'm the Dodgers and I come in and say, I'm going to give you a pretty crazy return, a little bit less, but I'll pay all the salary. Yep. Now, now you, you're stuck. You can't do anything about it. You were already spreading yourself thin by giving up a hall of prospects. I'm giving up a semi hall, but I'm eating the entire contract. And now all that you built in your system got totally leveraged out. And that's going to be the problem. And that's why I think having the salary cap to kind of tie this all in, it promotes a more, I guess I would say you have more control over your own organization and control over yourself and you can be rewarded for what you're doing. And you can't just get strong armed by the, the big bullies that are the $200 million clubs. Amen to that. Before we go, we got to talk about Kumar Rocker. We got to talk about whatever the hell just happened. And I'm going to read off Stephen Cohen's yeah, Steve, I guess, but he's, his name is Stephen Cohen on Twitter. I'm going to, I'm just going to read off what he said. Can I Education. say one thing before? Yeah. Fuck that tweet. Fuck that tweet. Okay. You ready? Here's the tweet that you just said. Fuck that too. Education time. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. What, Thank you, what does hedge that fund mean? guy. Thank you, hedge fund guy for the baseball education. Uh, what makes Steve Cohen qualified to his education on baseball? Thank you. I mean, I get he's the owner, but he's been the owner for five minutes. And right. other than that, he's been a baseball fan. And look, I, I understand he's brilliant and he's made more money than you and I will ever dream of, even if we get all of the sickest sponsors in the world and people buy this really sweet just baseball merch I'm wearing. We still, yeah. yeah, it is really sweet. We will still never be close to a drop in the bucket of Steve Cohen. I, I acknowledge that. That being said, that tweet, one, came off terribly. Two, I think really was insensitive to the situation of Kumar Rocker right now, oh, yeah. who was seemingly about to live his dream out. And, and there's a lot to unpack here. I do understand that there could be more issues than what meets the eye. If this is just a partially torn UCL, then this is ridiculous. But if this is a Brady Aiken type of situation, or we have like a thoracic outlet type of situation or anything else, then I can understand the Mets reservations. But honestly, did they not really see anything before? I've seen reports that Kumar Rocker withheld some of his medical reports. We'll have to see if that can be corroborated. I don't know. But what I will say is this, if it is just Tommy John, or if it is just a relatively common arm injury, and that was enough to put off the Mets, then I think that's that's a crock of shit because if that happened six months later, are the Mets going to say, oh, no, 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 we're going to release this guy or, oh, we're really low on Rocker now. I mean, 25% of pitchers undergo Tommy John surgery. Yep. It's not really a big deal anymore. And it happens very often right after the draft. I'm not really – if it is a Tommy John issue, I will be very upset. I'm expecting it to be a bit worse for Kumar's sake. I hope not. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a lose-lose here. If it's worse, that's a shame for Kumar. <laughs> and and I really hope that he's able to get back and get through it. But if it's better and it's just Tommy John, that's a really bad luck for baseball and for the Mets. Did you see Scott Boris's statement? No, I actually did not. Scott Boris said that they have done independent medical examinations on Kumar and they did not discover anything and that he will be throwing as normal 
from here on out. So he defers his draft status to 2022. I understand that the agent can embellish that a little bit, but if Scott Boris is going on the record saying that Kumar is healthy, that's screwed up. Well, here's the thing too, is, is where there, there were some VLO concerns at times, right? But there wasn't anything crazy. You know, his VLO fluctuated a little bit. That happens. I watched him pitch in Omaha. It was, I believe it was his last career start. Yeah. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine. I mean, I know there's always more than what meets the eye, but if this is some debilitating injury or some massive red flag, I feel like it would have shown up on the radar gun and it would have showed up in his pitches. And it just, it, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was worried about it. And he actually regained a lot of his VLO. So it's going to be a really interesting situation. And it's just, it's ironic to me because I think that they were hoping to be able to get Rocker for a bit cheaper. Maybe they didn't like it. Uh, I'm sure Rocker was expecting the full slot bonus. And if you're the Mets, you don't really care if you get another pick next year. They probably prefer it. So they probably say, hey, we don't have to deal with Scott Boris. We'll have two first round picks next year. We just traded our 2020 first round pick. So we'll just go that way and load up next year. I really think the Mets are quite happy with this fallout and that's why it smells a little bit fishy to me it smells very fishy and the Mets fan base is not happy with this fallout at all no and the other funny thing about this is that the Mets have a disproportionate amount of arm issues within their their organization oh yeah I I, on record you know we've had we've had Alderson come out and say oh we're going to use Modus which is the workload tracking sensor that is incredible. A lot of players swear by it. it it's a bit, it, I think it was purchased by driveline and it manages your workload. Basically can tell you if your arm is being overused and uh, all of those different things, they never ended up using it. I mean, to, to go on record and say, Hey, we're going to use this and then not use it. I mean, you, you look at the history. I know all teams have arm issues uh, with their players, but the Mets have had a really bad history. And then just the fact that they're coming out and saying, Oh, we're going to do this. And then they don't, uh, it's just interesting to me that all of a sudden they're terrified of these arm issues. They also just drafted JT Ginn, who was coming off of Tommy John surgery. And I know the Mets kind of use that as like, look, we're not put off by Tommy John. It's more than that. I think they're just put off by this specific situation. I think so too. And I'm really curious to find out as the days roll on what intricacies this specific situation had that warranted the red flags for the Mets. So we'll see. It's going to be a bad look for baseball and for the Mets if this shakes out the way you and I are afraid it may shake out. Absolutely. But good to talk money, man. Always good to talk money. 